title of today's message is The Storm. The Storm. And if you'll <clears throat> remember, for the past probably three weeks, the messages have just been kind of heavy. And I don't, you know, I don't go home and say, well, this is what kind of message I'd like to have. Just come do whatever I want to do. It really doesn't work that way. What I do is I seek God out of my life <clears throat> and my relationship with him and out of the circumstances that I'm going through. God speaks into my life and he speaks to me through the word and he speaks through others and he speaks through song and he speaks in a variety of ways and, and he shows me somehow, I don't even really know know how it works, but he shows me what I am to do, and sometimes I think that I know where I'm supposed to go, and then he corrects me last minute. And so when we finished up last week, the book of First Timothy, I actually made the comment to my wife, I was like, because First Timothy, is a, it's a straightforward book, it's a, it's a tough book, it's about leadership, it's about hitting it hard, it's about killing sin, it, it's, it gets down and dirty. And so I told my wife, I was like, I'm, I'm excited because next week I think I'm going to be able to, to lighten it up a little bit and, and to teach uh, the scriptures and to, and to get into a sermon that's, that's a, little, a little funner, so to speak, and, and a, little more, uh, a little easier, a little less heavy, a little lighter. And then life happens, and uh, it just doesn't work that way. And for whatever reason, God has led me here this morning to talk to you about the storm. About the storm. And, and I actually forgot. And Heather reminded me, she said, because I've just been dealing with a storm. And, and I told you last week, and I told you the week before that. And I just feel like that I'm being attacked, that I'm struggling spiritually, I'm struggling, struggling physically. And before last week, Heather told me, she said, you can't go in there struggling every week. Uh, you can't do that. And I know what she means by that, but at the same time I told her, I said, I have to be me. I can't, I can't come in here and put on a three-piece suit and act like there's nothing in the world wrong. If you need that, you need somebody else. But what I can do is I can preach out of my life. And, and Heather agreed. She meant that I, I, have to, I do have to be strong and I have to... I have to lead you guys, and so I do have to find balance there, and I have to lean on Christ, and I have to get buried in deep. I have to dig in. But I believe as we do life together and as we get real with one another, I think that growth happens in my life, and it happens in your life like it's never happened before. And if you want to know the truth, I believe that's what's been happening here at the well since we started day one. I think everybody's been real, and and you've come with struggles, and you've come how you are, and we, we've said, come as you are, come as you are, come as you are, and we try our best to mean it, even though a lot of you are, have struggles. A lot of you have pain, just like I have pain sometimes, and we just go through it. And so today, I want to talk to you about the storm. I want to talk to you about the struggles in life and how we are to deal with those, and 
I really brought this on myself, I think, and I had forgotten that too, and Heather told me, said, you don't remember, because I was talking to her the other day, and I said, what in the world is going on, you know, I'm trying my best, I'm, I'm seeking God, I'm, uh, you know, we're doing this church plan, and God's moving in here, and, and, and we're seeing people grow, and we're seeing people lay sin down, and, and we're, we're seeing people transform, whole families transform, reading the Bible together, uh, stopping doing things that they know they shouldn't have been doing, that they've been struggling with for years, they're laying them aside. We're seeing the religious step out of their legalism and become open-handed and loving and living in real times and actually showing that they struggle too. But we're just being hit. And I said, what's going on? And she said, you don't remember what you said two weeks ago from the stage? It's recorded. <laughs> she said, God, if it takes, she said, you said, God, if it takes a storm to get me closer to you, then bring the storm. I said, I'm not stupid enough to say that. She said, yes, you are. So apparently I'm stupid, and I said that. But it has been a storm, and I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm going to preach for my life. And today, God has told me, I need to talk to you about the storm. We're going to be in a book that we haven't visited yet uh, at the well. We're in Ruth. If you don't know where Ruth is, it's a little bitty book. It's in the Old Testament. It's right in between 1 Samuel and Judges. If you can find that, that'd be good. If not, it'll be on the screen. That's understandable. It's on page 222 in my Bible, if that helps. We're going to be looking at Ruth. And if you've, ever read the, if you've not ever read the story of Ruth, you need to go read it. It's a very short story, but it is probably one of the most one of the most paralleled stories of Jesus Christ and the gospel and the relationship that he has with his church that you can find in all of scripture. The whole Bible is about Jesus. This just happens to be a really, really good parallel to the whole story of the Bible. Go and check it out. Today, though, we're in Ruth chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Ruth chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Let me read that for you. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? She said, you don't need to call me Naomi because this, meant, this name meant blessed or this name meant prosperous and, and peaceful. This was a good name to have. It was, it was at peace with God. She was okay. She was all right. And I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory, but she had come across some problems in her life. And she felt like that God had just taken away from her and no longer did she have a great relationship with God and a wonderfully fulfilled life. But she was dealing with life struggles. She was dealing with loss. She was dealing with pain. She was dealing with all of these things. And so she said, you need to call me Mara, which means bitterness, because I am bitter. I am just overwhelmed with bitterness. How many of us here today would say that I am struggling? And not only am I struggling with my current situation, but I'm struggling with the fact that God would allow me to be in my current situation. 
If God is such a good God, and if God is so loving, and if God is so wonderful, then why is my life filled with so much pain? Why is my life filled with so much heartache? Why did I lose that person that I loved? Why in the world does it have to be this way? Why, God, have you done what you've done in my life? We shake our fist at God, and we get bitter, and it turns us off. The switch is off. And we wonder why we can't feel, but we have turned our emotions off because we're tired of hurting, we're tired of pain. I'll give you a little bit of backstory on Ruth, and then I'm going to talk about the storm. You see, Ruth was the daughter of Naomi, and Naomi was living in Judah. She was, she was an Israelite, she was one of God's people, and, and she was married to uh, Imelech. These Old Testament names are the best. Elimelech, don't hold it against me. And what had happened was that there had been an extreme famine that had come on the land. There was nothing to eat. There was nothing to do. There was nothing that they could go to and, and supply their physical needs. And so they had to move. So here comes the first storm. They were part of God's people. They had the name. They lived in the right place. But a storm had came. And there was a famine in the land, so they had to move away, and they went to Moab, and they were struggling there. But when they got there, there was food there, and they had two sons, and their two sons took Moabite wives. But then tragedy struck once again. Tragedy struck once again. And Elimelech died, and the two sons died. And here is Naomi, she's took on these these two daughters-in-laws, and if you know anything about the Old Testament, if you know anything about this culture, if the man died, it was, it was over. Unless there was some other man that would step in and take over, because in this culture, they didn't allow women to have regular jobs like that. It was extremely hard for a man to take care of his house, much less a woman who in this time was considered less than a slave in many cases. This storm was brutal. It took her life. It took her survivability. It took everything that she had and completely wiped her out. And not only that, but her sons also. So it destroyed her line. The line was dead. The name was going to die. Do you see the hopelessness in this situation? How many of you feel like right now that you don't know which way to turn? I have had more people, and I've been struggling myself, but I've had more people contact me this week and say, Brandon, I don't know what to do. I am in a hole that I cannot climb out of. I am in a situation that I have fought for years, and it has got a hold of me, and I have no idea what to do. I have not got a clue which way to go. And they're looking at me thinking this guy's got the answer. And I'm looking at them thinking, pray for me. Will you pray for me too? Life happens all the time. And so many times we hear preaching and we hear other Christians that say, well, what are you doing wrong? Why is God doing this? Or we hear, well, you just trust God till the end. And you say, that's all well and good. And I believe that you should trust God. But what about right now? I'm struggling. I don't, I don't have any answers. I'm trying to trust God, but what does that even mean? 
Naomi goes on and she, she says, she gets word as she's fighting in the field in Moab to, to get food. She gets word that, that there is a possibility that she could go back to her hometown and that she could go out into the fields and that she may be able to live there and be around at least somebody she knows. And so she tells her two daughters, daughter-in-law, she says, you guys need to stay here. You need to find husbands. You need to do well for yourself. Don't be stuck with me. I, God is against me. God has just broken me. There's nowhere I can go. There's nothing I can offer you. You need to turn, and you need to go the other way. I am cursed, so to speak. Both daughters at first say, no, we're going to go with you. We're going to stick by you. We're going to stick with you. We're going with you, and we will not leave you alone. We're not going to let you go through this alone. We're going to go with you. And she says, nonsense. Have you ever been in that place? Have you ever been in a storm where you know you, you need somebody around you, but you are, are so cut off from hope, or you're so cut off from the possibility that things could turn around, you just want to be left alone? You just want everybody to leave you alone. Inside you know you need someone to, to share with, to help you. You want someone to hold you. Have you ever been there? I'm a grown man, 6'1", 235 pounds, and sometimes I just want somebody to hold me. Guys, don't you hold that against me. But I'm serious. Sometimes when my strength is gone and I'm feeling weak, I just, you know, sometimes when I'm, when I'm sick, like physically sick, I really like to be pampered. I really do. I mean, I want you to rub my face. I want you to rub my hair. I want to like, I literally, I want to close my eyes and lean my head on you and have you rub my face. My wife, at least. Not you. Certainly not you, Brian. You know what I'm saying? Man, you just like to be held. You like to be loved. You like for somebody that you know is for you to grab you up and look you in the eye and say, I'm here. I got you. I'll spend money on you. I'll spend time on you. When I used to be sick and when I'd stay out of school, uh, my stepmom, and I don't know for whatever reason, we didn't jail all the time, but who does all the time? But there was one period in my life that I remember she was really good at. I would be sick and stay home from school. And I only went to Skyland, and I went to Skyland Elementary School for one year. One or two years, they were spread out. And for whatever reason, this really sticks out in my mind this time that she did this for me. Is that I was sick and I was home from school. Man, she stepped, man, she she jumped into action. She went rented, rented me video games, pampered me with soup in bed, make sure I was tucked in. Well, I felt like a king. I, I was sick. I really was. I wasn't just playing nobody. But I felt better. I felt better. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? One guy? Anybody else? Know? Hey, I appreciate that, brother. Hey, me and you, man. Hey, we, wait, I got, you got me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, when you just feel, yeah, when you just feel all alone and you just want somebody. But sometimes there comes a point in your life where you're so far gone and you're so in pain and you feel so out there on a limb that you feel like no one could possibly understand, no one could possibly have anything good to do for you because you are too far gone, get away from me, leave me to wallow in my sorrow, I don't have anyone to turn to, I want to be all alone. Sometimes it gets to that point. And that's where Naomi was, she was struggling 
And, and she turned and she said, no. They said, I want to go with you. She said, no. You turn and you go away. You get away from me. There's nothing good in me. There's nothing good that God's doing for me. I have nothing to offer you. She said, well, you think there's a kid in my womb? She actually said that. You think I got a son in here? And even if I did, you're going to wait till he grows up so you have another husband? I ain't got nothing for you. Go away. And so one of them, with tears, did go away. But one of them named Ruth said, I don't need anything from you. I'm going with you because I want to help you. She stuck in there with her. And she went back with her. The story continues in this storm when she gets back. What I just read you is where we are in the story. And everybody, the whole town is stirred. The, the, the language here is like there's a big buzz, a commotion in the, in the city. Naomi's back. Naomi's back. And she is so warped and so turned and so affected by this massive storm in her life that she is almost unrecognizable she has aged her body has been it's taken a physical toll on her the pain that she's had to go through and they look at her and they say is this Naomi is this Naomi and she says no don't call me Naomi because God no longer shows favor on me no longer am I blessed. You call me Mara because I am bitter. I am bitter for God has done this to me. That's where we are in our story. We will continue in a minute. But I want to pray. I want to pray for you who are in the storm. I want to pray that God would finally use the storm already and bring us out to clean understanding, to power and significance. If it takes a storm, Okay, but let's let the storm end. <laughs> let's let the storm end so that God would be glorified and we would be satisfied. Jesus, I thank you so much, God. I thank you that you know exactly what we need. I thank you that you are willing to do whatever it takes to glorify yourself. God, I'm... I'm glad and I accept everything that comes. I don't always like it. I won't lie and say that I do. But I know that you know best and I'm trying my best. I'm praying that you would give me the motivation, that you would give me the understanding and the wisdom, that you would give me the perseverance to hold on through this storm. God, to lean out and cry out to you through this storm that I might be able to love you more deeply and to understand better so that I might be able to help those around me. God, I pray for these out here who are going through storms that are way more aggressive than mine. God, that are way more destructive than mine. God, there are storms all across this auditorium right now. God, I pray for those who are not going through a storm that they would enjoy their time, that they would be loving you and seeking after you. God, that they would be all about your business. Lord God, help us today to see you as clear as we've ever seen you before, I invite the Holy Spirit right now in a new and fresh way that he would teach us, that he would teach us deep down in our hearts what we need to know. Help us, God, as we fight for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you a little bit about the storm. The first thing I want to talk to you about is where the storm comes from. Where does the storm come from? Oftentimes we try to make excuses. Oftentimes we try to say, <clears throat> well, it's not God. God only, God only does this or God only does that. Where does the storm come from? 
Oftentimes we have these questions and we often misunderstand who God is and what God allows and what God does because we are so consumed with who we are and what we think we need that we think that God could ever, never do this or never do that because he's so concerned with the things that we think that we need. Where does the storm come from? Where does any storm come from? Quite frankly, it comes from God. Storms come from God. God is not the author of confusion. God is not evil. God, there is no darkness in him. He is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So what you don't need to hear me saying is that God is putting you through evil things or that God is doing evil to you. That's not what I said. What I'm telling you is, is that there are no accidents and there are no coincidences. Accidents and coincidences are illusions. God is in absolute control. God is reigning and ruling over every aspect of our life. And if something is in your life, if something has come upon you, then it, is, it has either been brought by the hand of God or it has been allowed by God to happen for your good and for His glory. I will make no bones about it. It's about God. And if it takes us sacrificing unto death for the glory of God, then it will be worth it for you and it will be, have been worth it for him. God is the goal. The glory of God is the chief end of man and it is the chief end of God. Storms come from God for a reason. There is nothing that happens outside of his hand. There is nothing that happens that he has not already known was going to happen and had a part in it. There is nothing that has happened that God did not bring about or allow. And even if you want to say, well, he just allowed it, but he didn't do it, he could have said no. He could have said no. I'm giving you proper perspective because I could lie to you and say, God would never do that. That must have been Satan. But how can you deal with the crisis at hand? How can you deal with the storm and not know where it originated from? You can't do it. You've got to come to God. He is the one who it ends with. You've got to come to God. And you've got to seek Him to be able to deal with this storm. Accidents and coincidences are illusions. You see... We see here that Naomi, she's shaking her fist at God. She says, I've become very bitter in my heart. You have brought these things about. You see, the problem with us is that we are so caught in the now that we can't deal with the storm at hand because we don't know where it's going or what it's doing. We have to step outside of ourselves and we have to give glory to God even when it gets tough. You say, Brandon, how in the world could it help me to know that the storm comes from God because I will help you to understand this is that God has said there is nothing that he will put you through that he will not provide a way for you to stand up in it you see Job in the whole book of Job and you go read the whole book of Job the, the whole book Job is being rained on rained on rained on he loses everything he loses his, he loses his children he loses his 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 all of his workers all of his property he loses everything everything 
And in the book of Job, it says that in all these things, Job did not sin. God justified Job in the end. And if you've ever read the beginning, Job did nothing to bring that on himself. It was not discipline. It was not punishment. It was just the storm that had to come in order to produce the results that needed to be produced. And in the end, Job was justified and he was used to glorify God in an amazing way. But in that time, in that time he couldn't see that. And so he argues with all of his friends. He, 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 he talks to God in ways that we never see anybody talk to God. You see, there's two reactions that we could have while we're in the middle of this storm. We could shake our fist at God. We could shake our fist at Him. Or we could submit. We could submit to Him and be used by Him. The best way to evangelize, the best way to show people the face of Christ is to suffer well. Is to suffer well. The storms are going to come. The storms are going to come. It depends on how you handle that when they do come. Now, what I don't want you to understand me saying is that you need to just buck up, young soldier. You need to, you need to make sure you always keep a smile on. You need to make sure that you're trusting God every step of the way. And I hear people all the time saying, we heard this at actually a men's conference, and it was a great men's conference, but I don't agree with this statement. He says, if you ever find yourself doubting God, then you're not saved. If you ever find yourself doubting God, then you're not saved. I say if, you don't, if you've never found yourself doubting God, then you don't give a rip about him, or you're not a human being. Paul says that we need to examine our hearts to see whether or not we be in the faith. That we need to continually look at ourselves, and that's not to say, I don't know if God's real, I don't know if God's real, that's not what I'm talking about. But to, to say, God, where are you? It's completely human. And I'm not going to stand up here and say, you better not do that. You better not question God. You better, you better put on your suit and tie, and you better make sure that you got it together, because other people might see you doing that. In the book of Ruth and in the book of Job, we see both of them crying out, God, why did you do this to me? Why is my life so hard? Why is this going on? And we see God both times and in several other instances in the word of God. Take it. You see, my kids sometimes, they don't understand why I do what I do. Sometimes they just don't get it. You know, the other day I was with Ezekiel and, and we, were, uh, we were doing something at the house and it was about time to eat. About time to eat dinner. And he'd already had one snack and that's okay. I, you know, I'm not you know, snack Hitler, you know. You know what I'm saying? No Pop-Tarts! Taylor's like, what did he just do? But he had already had a snack, and I told him, I said, you can't have that snack, you're going to ruin your dinner, and you need to eat your dinner. You need the good food, not just junk food. Well, he's like, nah! <laughs> and so I took it away. I'm way bigger than he is. Well, he just got ticked off. And I mean mad. And you know what he does? He's this tall. Y'all know Ezekiel, you've seen Ezekiel around. He's this tall. And he comes up to me, and he starts hitting me on the leg. 
And, you know, that might constitute a little discipline if it wasn't so funny. And so I was like, oh, that's okay. But it's, and this is the cool part, and this is what I'm getting at, is that as soon as he got through hitting me, he hugged my leg. And I thought, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. But, and you know, I'm studying here. That's what we do. And God is that big. You, you know, God is not going to smack you in the mouth and say, what's your problem? Quit freaking whining. I do that sometimes. But then God smacks me in the face and says, go hug your wife. I don't really say that to her. But I do have a hard time when she's having a hard time. We as humans, you know, I have a hard time dealing with somebody that's having a hard time. Because I'm like, you can't have a hard time. I'm having a hard time. You know, this guy, he's texting me, and I don't know if he's here. I, I need to pray for this guy. Uh, I'm just going to give you his first name. His name's Travis. I love this guy. Got a great attitude, but he's struggling right now. And he said, man, I, I got some issues. And it was back and forth on Facebook. And I didn't say this, but I was going to type, me too. Got to be there for you. Sometimes it's hard to hear somebody else's trouble. But God's not that way. God is not that way. He sees the beginning and the end. And if you don't think that God knows what it's like to be in a storm, just hold on a second because we're going to get to that. You see, we do not, the book of Hebrews says, we do not have a high priest that's unable to sympathize with us, but we have a high priest that can. We have a high priest who's been there and he's done that. And I'm not going to spoil the ending. But he knows what you're going through. He went through the exact same thing, only worse. Only infinitely worse. Sometimes when people, and I'm a pastor now, so I've got to get over this. I've got to deal with this. Because some people come with me, come at me with things that are crazy. I mean, y'all are jacked up. <laughs> I love you though, I do And I will hear, my ears are open Okay, we can cry together But sometimes it's hard Sometimes it's hard Especially when you have your own problems You know, when I'm walking, when I'm walking with God And everything's chipper and great and hunky-dory Somebody come to me with, my, with their problems And I'm not, it's probably I'm not as effective in those times, because I'm like, it'll be okay. And they're like, I hate you. <laughs> no, it won't. Cry with me. And the, and the Bible says that we are to mourn with those who mourn. You see, the, the storm comes from God, and, and we can take comfort because the storm comes from God, because that the storm comes from God, because he knows what we can handle, and he knows when to stop. If it was Satan attacking you, without God's protective hand, none of us would be here. You understand? You would be dead. There may be a storm, but if you look at it from the backside, God is protecting you. God is protecting you. God brought the storm so God can handle the storm. He has control. He is looking to build you up and to use this in your life to make you stronger, to make you a better person, to make you 
more easily, I think more more easily available, more readily available to those who are hurting and in pain. If we had a God who had never struggled ever at all, it'd be so hard for him to relate. It'd be so hard for us to fall right in next to him. That point I was making a while ago with, with Ezekiel, I want to right now give you permission not to shake your fist at God and spit in his face, but to dive into his arms and beat on his chest and cry out, why is this happening to me? Why do I have to go through this? Why have you let this come? Where are you? Because you need that. And he's big enough to take care of that. And he will not throw you down to the ground, but he will wrap his arms around you. And he'll say, I'm right here. Ask Wesley. He will say, I'm right here. I've got you. I give you permission to be weak. But you don't always have to be strong. It's okay to not be okay sometimes. Second thing, why do we need the storm? Second question we got to ask is, why do we need the storm? You see, in the first point, what I'm not telling you to do is to get bitter and turn off. You may be in pain, but you've got to lean in. Don't turn off, lean in. Naomi, at this point in her life, had turned off. She was bitter. She was done. It was so hard for her. She was crying out. There was a, 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 a word that she was using here called El Shaddai, and it means from the mountain, the one in the mountains. She was right now, she was kind of talking to God like, this huge God has just rained down on me. And I don't know what he's doing. I'm done with this. And she had gotten bitter and turned off. Don't turn off. Press in. Press in. Why do we need the storms? The first reason that I want to share, there's a lot of reasons why we need storms. There's no way I could cover them all. But one is, is that storms reveal, oftentimes reveal our idols. Storms oftentimes reveal our idols. They show where we are dependent. How often, and let me ask you a legitimate question. Think about this. How often, as soon as you think you've got something in this world that is just absolutely wonderful, absolutely phenomenal, it does it for you, that thing gets crushed, or it gets lost, or it gets gone, or it leaves you. How often? Isn't that the storm? Isn't that the storm? When you start to love something so much, when you start to cling to something so much, you got to have it. You can't live without it. God's like, nah, I'm the one that you can't live without. I'm the one that you have to have. I'm the one that you need. I'm the one that should do it for you. I am your peace. I am your comfort. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You start doing that with something else, I'll snatch it out of your hand because I love you more than that. You think God's just going to let you drift away? Oftentimes, our idols are revealed because they are crushed. And we're standing over them going, 
that's what it was. <laughs> yep, there's your idol. And sometimes that's extremely painful. I'm not going to make a joke about that. Because sometimes our idols are things that we love. And they're good things. A lot of times there are good things, there are great things, but they are not eternal things, and they are not God. And this just hit me. Word to the wise. If you love something and you don't want to see it crushed, don't put it in God's place. That's from God. That's good preaching right there. Amen? If you love something and you don't want to see it crushed, don't put it in God's care. Because he will slam destroy it. And there your storm will be. I feel the Holy Spirit right now. That's good stuff. When our idols are revealed, we must turn. You'll choose another idol or God. And don't raise your hand, but I wonder how many of you have been in a storm that has lasted for a year, two years, five years, ten years. When are you going to stop putting things on God's throne? When are you going to stop trusting in things that won't break? When are you going to start trusting in things that won't break and stop trusting in things that can be crushed? Your idols are revealed for a reason, so that you can help put them to death, so that you can help take them off the throne and put God on the throne. Second is, <coughs> and this might be a little tough for you to swallow, it is for me, I, I, and, and I want to tell you, it's tough for me to get up here in this three-piece suit. It really was. I feel awkward. I was like, man, how y'all doing? It's, I'm, I feel stiff. I'm a little looser now. I'm sweating, so it's kind of got me lubed up. <laughs> Heather's like, I cannot believe he just said that. <laughs> this is a tough one for me. The reason I said it is because I don't want you to think I'm preaching out of, out of you know, I got this thing under control. This is just what God is. I'm riding this baby too. The second is storms beat us down. So that we must submit or die. Storms beat us down so that we must submit or die. They break us when we need to be broken. I don't know if you realize this or understand this, but we are, every day, our pride left unchecked is building us up to be something that we're not. It is building us up to think that we are somebody that we are not. And oftentimes, we need to be knocked down off of our high horse so that proper perspective can be had and our lives can be put back in order. Sometimes, God brings a storm in your life just to break you so that he can get into you, so that he can put you back together the way that you need to be put together. Sometimes, you think too much of yourself. Sometimes I think too much of myself. Sometimes my pride outweighs reality. And God has to say, uh-uh. I'm the baddest. I'm the biggest. I'm the best. I'm eternal. You are created. Get off my throne. Sometimes it reveals our idols 
sometimes it's knocking us off the throne. You see, oftentimes, and pride is the mother of all sins, so I would say the vast majority of the time we make ourselves out to be the idol. So this point is saying sometimes God grabs you by the throat and throws you out of his seat. And that's best for you. That's best for you. I would give this warning out of this point. If you're in this room, and Wesley prayed this a little earlier, if you're in this room and you've got money and you've got a nice house and a nice car, well-behaved children, and you live in a nice neighborhood, get on your face. Because your likelihood of trusting in your things and trusting in your status, your materials, and your got-it-togetherness is far greater than those who are broken in the dumps and poor. Why do you, and I'm not making that up. Why do you think all throughout Scripture it talks continually about how wealth can be such a curse? You start trusting in your money. You start trusting in your ability to parent well or to, to, do, to be a good professional, to succeed financially. Be prepared. Get on your face. Wealth doesn't have to be a curse, but it's really easy for Satan to use. God is continually saying, use your wealth to be a blessing. Use your wealth to be a blessing. You are at risk for developing an idol and pride, both of these. Seek God, put him first. Sometimes God breaks us when we need to be broken. The last thing is storms always glorify Christ in the end. Everything else does. Everything in this world, and I'm going to say this a blanket statement across the board. Everything is going to glorify Christ. Everything is going to glorify Christ. You say, well, what about hell? That's no good. Hell will glorify Christ. You say, what in the world are you talking about? Because hell is justice. And we serve a just God. People say, how can a loving God send anyone to hell? Because he's a just God. Even the wrath that is poured out on those who would not repent and not turn back, that will glorify God as well. God will have his glory one way or the other. You can take comfort in knowing that this has a greater end. God's glory is your good. God's glory is your good. If you're a child of God. <clears throat> the last thing that I want to talk to you about. Out of Ruth. Out of this sermon. I want to talk to you about how he survives the storm. You say all that stuff that you talked about. I, I feel like. Every time I put my trust in something. Or every time I love something. It feels like it just gets crushed. Every time that I think I, that life is going the way. That I think it should go. It gets yanked out from under me. Are you telling me that God is liking this? I never said that God likes it. You think I like spanking my kids? I hate it. I always thought my dad was crazy when he said, this hurts me more than it hurts you. I'm thinking, yeah, right. I got the stripes to prove it. Where's your stripes? Come on. 
loose stripes? My grandma, granny, she would say, you go pick a, you, she'd make me go pick my own hickory switch. And I better get the right kind. Because it was going to be worse if I didn't. It really does. You know, God does not want, God doesn't want you to be in pain. God doesn't want you to be scared. But God knows that your pain and your fear are less valuable than your life. He would rather you be scared and in pain for a time and have eternity with him. God is seeking to glorify himself through your redemption. And if it takes a storm, then he's willing to put you through it. I want my kids to be well-rounded. I want them to know how to respect. I want them to know how to love. I want them to know what it means to work hard for what they got. I want them to appreciate. I don't want them to be selfish. I don't want them to be greedy. I don't want them to be little jerks and little brats. Sometimes that means I have to cause physical pain. And I'm willing to do that. Even though I hate it. It hurts them and it hurts me. But the end result is better and it's worth the sacrifice of the pain that I feel and the pain that they feel. It's worth it. So how do we survive this storm? How do we survive this storm? We cry out to God. We cry out to God just like the disciples did. You say, you're telling me to, to, you're telling me to yell at God? I am. You know, everybody gives the disciples a lot of flack when they were in the middle of the storm on the boat. You remember this story? The disciples are in the boat. Jesus is asleep in the boat. And they're going, oh, oh, what are we going to do? And Jesus, what was Jesus doing? This is great. I'll tell you, we're going to have a sermon series some point a little ways down the road. And I'm just going to do Jesus. And we're going to look at all the different aspects of Jesus and how it relates to us. Like, you know, sexy Jesus. You know, ninja Jesus, sleeping Jesus, water walking Jesus. But at this instant, Jesus is asleep in the boat. And it's no laughing matter because they really were afraid that they were going to die. Now, you need to understand, these were fishermen. They lived on the water. They lived in this boat. They made their living. This wasn't their first storm. They had been through storms before. They weren't just saying, Jesus, can you do something? They really, literally, actually thought they were about to die. So what'd they do? Jesus, wake up! Jesus, where are you? What are you doing? And Jesus gets up and they catch flight because Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith, storm be still. And the storm is calm. And they're like, I might have a little faith, but I'm alive. Whew. Sometimes, yeah, he's not going to let you die. He's not. He's going to bear you up. He's going to hold you up. This side, it might take your life here, but you will not die. The victory is won. Death is defeated. You can't be defeated. Who's going to snatch you out of his hand? Who's bigger than Jesus? Who's fatter? Who's higher? Who's taller? Who's stronger? He says, I've got you in my hand. And he looks around and he says, come get some." got you but sometimes we can't see that sometimes we don't know it sometimes Jesus is right there 
He is. He's right there. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He's always right there. But sometimes we can't see him even when he's right there. And sometimes we don't know him even when he's right there. And so sometimes we got to say, Jesus. And he's like, calm down, you big dummy. I got this. I got this. You need to cry out. You've been walking through a swamp and you're picking one foot up and then the other foot up and life is so heavy on your back, your back is breaking. And Jesus is walking beside you. He's like, you want me to carry that? And you're like, no, I got it. You want me to carry that? You want me to carry that? Do I have to make you fall on your face before you'll let me carry that? Cry out. Cry out. You don't have to go through this alone. Cry out. We hold on to God. The second way that we survive the storm is we hold on to God even though we cannot understand what He is doing. I'm not going to understand every storm. And as a matter of fact, while the storm is raging, it is near impossible. It is near impossible to know why this storm is happening. Normally, it is weeks, months, years later before you ever know why you had to go through that, that storm. And I'll tell you right now, some of you sitting in this room, I know some of you sitting in this room will never ever understand why that storm happened that why that storm happened and is happening until you stand before God and he grabs you up and he says let me hold you right now and at that moment you realize it was for this remain under you don't have to know you don't have to know to trust Can you, can you play that clip again? What was the greatest storm ever? <coughs> because the awesome thing about Jesus Christ, just let this play. What was the awesome thing about Jesus Christ? What sets our God apart from any other God? I'm passionate about this God because he's like no other. I get fired up because there's nobody like him. No one has ever done what he has done. No one has ever looked at me like he has looked at me. No one has ever done for me what he has done for me. No one has ever done for you what he has done for you. Nobody has loved you like this. Nobody has loved you like this. No one has had arms this big to hold you up and to pull you close. No one's had enough money to buy you the right medicine. No one's ever loved you like this man has loved you. You want to talk about a storm? You might be going through one crazy storm right now. But let me tell you something. There's one who's went through a greater storm. There's one who has cried out in the storm. Jesus Christ knows what you're going through. And you need, you need to hear that. Because you need someone that has went through a worse storm than you. Because your storm is horrible. Your pain is real. Your pain is present. It's close. It's right here. 
And you need to know that there's a God out there that you don't have to have a three-piece suit on. He didn't come because you got your suit on all dressed up real nice. You don't need that. You need to know that there's a God who's not after you because how much money you got or because what kind of clothes you got. You need to know that the storm he went through, you know the end result of that storm was the glory of God. You know how it glorified God? By rescuing you from your storm. And he don't offer any, he he doesn't require anything. You don't need this shirt. You don't need your, you don't need to have it all under control. Thank God needs you. Three-piece suit. You know what? Some of you think, I can't let anybody know. I can't let anybody know. I got to be Superman. I got to have it all under control. God doesn't need you to have it under control. As a matter of fact, God doesn't need you out of control. And he's telling you, I didn't even have it under control right here. You say, what do you mean Jesus didn't have it under control? You know, Jesus gave away his life. And there was a point in the garden. He looked and said, God, is there any other way? Is there any other way? In Philippians, it said that he emptied himself of the, he emptied himself of all the gifts of God. He emptied it out. It means that he done it. He done it through the power of the Holy Spirit. He was a human being and he came and he gave it all away. And he let other people have the control. You ain't got to be Superman. God's not after what you can provide. God's not after what you can offer. God's not after anything that you think that you got that he needs. God's standing back and he's looking at your storm and he's crying. And he's got tears streaming down his face because his child is hurting. No matter the result, it's still painful. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, it said that he wept. Life is painful and he's looking at your pain and he's crying. And he said, I'll do that. I'll go through that storm. And it's not even because you go to the right church. It ain't about the well. It's about being covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's about God Almighty sending His one and only Son. It's about the blood. If you ain't covered in the blood, then you sailing in that ship alone. And Jesus is not there, and you ain't got nobody to cry out to, and you've got nobody to lean on. You've got no one who's got a bankroll big enough to pay for your blunder. You've got no one big enough to protect you from the man staring you down. You've got no one who has got arms long enough to reach down and pluck you out of the flames of hell. But this one will. The greatest storm. I've told you that you need to cry out to God. I told you that the storm was from God. I told you that it beat him to death. That that, that sometimes it's to beat you so that you will be broken so that you might be put together. There is nothing There is nothing, and I say that without hesitation, there is nothing that Jesus Christ has called you to do that he has not already done. You see, he went to the cross, and they beat him to death. You see, he went to the cross, and in his 
in his pain and in his fear. I believe he was afraid. And I believe that he looked up to heaven and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why is this going on? He cried out to God, why is this happening to me? It's okay for you to cry out, God, why is this happening to me? Why? Why? They took him down off of that cross and they put him in the tomb. It was finished. You've never seen a storm like that. You, my child, let's all rise. You need to rest in the fact that there is someone who has gone through a greater storm, who has victory over your storm, who has a purpose for your storm who has brought your storm and will finish your storm and can hold you up in the storm and turn you into the greater you in the storm. Don't let this storm be wasted. Don't let this storm be in vain. Don't let this pain go by and not use it. Use your storm. Use your storm. Get down on your face and glorify your God in heaven. Glorify Jesus Christ. He is worthy. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? I offer the altar to you today to lay down your storm or to lay down in the midst of your storm. I will not tell you that you come up here today and your life's gravy when you walk out of here. But what I will tell you is you come up here today and I will cry with you. I will pray with you. I'm hurting too. There are others here who are hurting. And there are those of you right now who you're not in a storm. Get your tail down here and you pray for these who are in storms. If you're in a storm, please step forward. Please let us pray for you. Please don't be too big and too bad. Please don't think that you got to put on a show. Covered in the blood, I ain't got to be Superman. Let's get some of my team down here. Come pray for these guys. Storms are raging all around us. We have to pull together. We have to come together. Let me get some more of my team, please. Come and pray with these guys. You love on them, and you cry with them if you need to. There are people who are going through storms right now. Look at the storms. Look at the storms. Can God handle these storms? Can God handle these storms? Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He will see us through. There is not a storm out there that he doesn't know about. There's not a storm out there that he can't handle. There's not a storm out there that he can't make stop just like that. And if he lets it go for a while, then by the grace of God, it was for a reason. For your good and his glory. To God be the glory through trial, through separation, through storm, through pain, through fear. Do not be afraid, for he is near. Let's just move to the front and let's have a prayer over these who are going through storms because if you're out there, you must not be in a storm. So I want you to come, please, and pray for my brothers and my sisters who are in a storm right now. God is moving. This is not a second-rate faith, but a first-rate God. I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray as I pray. Pray as God is leading you. Pray for our brothers and our sisters. 
Lay your hands on somebody if you feel comfortable. Say the name of Jesus if nothing else. Say the name of Jesus. If you're uncomfortable here, I'm sorry. To God be the glory. This might be your storm. As people continue to move, lay your hand on somebody. And just say in your head, repeat the name of Jesus. Because the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Everyone obeys Jesus. Everyone obeys Jesus. One day, one way. God, I pray for my brothers and my sisters. God, I pray in the name, the most powerful name, the most heavenly name, the most effective name, the name of Jesus Christ. You are the God of all creation. You are the God who can calm the storm. You are the God who is in the midst of the storm. And you are the God who will see us to the end of the storm. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the proclamation of the Father, that these guys would suffer well. God, that their storms would soon end if it be your will. Your will. God, I pray that we would learn what we need to learn through our storms, that we would go through our storms well. God, I pray that you would relieve some in here today because they finally understand that you are the author of the storm, that you meant it for their good, that you meant it for the, your glory. God, please release some of these from bondage. Release some of these from the storm. God, I pray, release, I pray, freedom. God, I pray, running in the wind with our hair blowing in the wind, loving you like we've never loved you before, coming out of the storm because that sweet moment after the storm is so wonderful. It's so peaceful. It's so calming. It's so where I want to be, God. I want to see you, and I want to see you clearly. God, it's all about you, Jesus. I want you to move. I want you to be excited. I want you to know that we love you, and we're all about you, even when we're scared, even when we're in pain. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, 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 I pray that you would comfort those in the room that are in pain, that you would give those in the room who have no storm right now, that you would give them a broken heart for those that do. God, affect every single one of us in here today. I pray that no one would get out that door by not, without being affected by you, Jesus. This is a life, this is a family, and we hurt with one another. We go through pain with one another. We smile, and we, ha we are happy with one another, and we are, we, we are in victory with one another. Release these now in the name of Jesus. And for those you don't release, you hold them up. God, I love you so much. I pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Guys, I love you so much, and I want to tell you that there is hope for you. You look around yourself right now. There's somebody else right there that's struggling like you are, and you can help them. You can understand. You can encourage them, but you can all trust and lean into Jesus. As you go throughout this week and as you go back, I want you to lean into Jesus, and I want you to trust Him more. Do life together knowing that he knows what you're going through and he's got your back. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Amen. You guys can be dismissed. I love you. You take this fire into your week. Touch everybody around you that they may see Jesus as well. I love you guys. Amen.